Hello everyone and welcome to the Grief Burrito Podcast. I am your host, Harrison Wilde, and today we've got something very special. Not only do I have my brand new shiny host, the man Jordan Shenton to my left, but I also have a very special guest all the way over from Canada, the one, the only, the powerful Alex Austin. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, man. We're all doing good over here. And I'm so glad to have you here because you're one of our Antarians. <laughs> man, it's exciting to be on. This is cool. This is uh, It's a major sort of cross-ocean uh, endeavor here. So we're, we're, we're bridging the gap. Fuck it. It's been a big gap. There's been tumultuous stuff going on this morning. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> We've basically uh, conquered technology. We have. We're like yeah. soaring above Elon Musk, soaring above Bill Gates. They've got nothing <laughs> on us now. Send us to space. We'll sort <laughs> yeah. that shit in a second. Yeah. <laughs> They'll need us to defeat Skynet, so we're good. Yes, yeah, we will. We'll, we'll do it, don't worry. Arnie's got nothing on us. <laughs> I just want to start the episode with a shout-out briefly to uh, the new Maryland and Vermont listeners in America. We've got some new states that we're conquering. And also to the guys from the Killer Rabbit podcast, which uh, they're another northern comedy podcast, Jordan. I think you're going to really like it. They're really fucking cool. I will definitely give it a listen, yeah. Yes. And uh, the Shard Select podcast, who turned up outside of my business last night. What? <laughs> yeah. They sent me a picture last night at about one in the morning on Twitter. Stood outside my shop window. <laughs> right. Saying we've made amazing. a podcast pilgrimage. I know, it was really fucking funny. So I was a bit pissed at home, so looking through these random pictures, and that just pops up. And it's, and I'll, I think I retweeted it. You'll have to check yeah, it out. Yeah, I saw the tweet, and I had no idea what was going yeah, on. Yeah, no, I, I didn't at first, but it was amazing. I still really like the idea of a future team up with you guys in Shart Select, the Shart Burrito. Yes, edition. yeah, we need so to do I'm that. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I <laughs> really can't wait on the for edge that. of my seat. That name just makes me <laughs> yeah, feel a it, bit. Yeah, it's Ill. just for the name, isn't it? <laughs> Literally, no content for like ages, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, they they were. Uh, they were talking about this is really going random. I was like, do you, do you get microwave chips in, in Canada? Microwave chips. So are you saying chips is in so like French fries? fries. Like microwave fries. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, we do not have microwave. I mean, you can microwave the frozen ones. I wouldn't yeah, recommend yeah. it. But yeah. No, because like we get used to, I don't know if you remember them, John, you get a little box with it's like a foil line. Oh, thing. like slotted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was almost not like. Not foil. No, Jesus. No, it was foil inside. And that was what was weird. Like, I don't get how you could have foil in, I don't in a microwave. If it's surrounded by potato, it's safe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I, I have no idea. I remember them, yeah, because they used to be red and yellow and they yeah. have like kind of the sh- like waffle lines. Like, yeah, and like it's filled cake. with like fries and then it take like three minutes. Yeah, I've not yeah. seen them in years. No, I, I didn't know they existed, but apparently they're still eating. The really? visual I have like... in my mind of this is nuts. Like it is. I can't yeah. even imagine. It's, it's, we'll it's send you foil? some grabs. It's yeah, like inside foil the box was foil. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, it's a weird little thing. Um, anyway, enough of <laughs> fried chat. Anyway, um, do you want to get into some game news? It's time for us to talk about games. New, new ones. Games. New, new ones. Games. New, new ones. ones. Have you heard anything, Alex, that you'd like to discuss this week? Actually, yeah, I brought I brought a sort of a side topic here. I don't know if you guys have you heard about what's going on in Eve Online over this last week. No, not at all. Go for it. Okay. So, and then uh, give me two seconds here. I just want to make sure the article is current. I'm not talking about something that's extremely old. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> this is five yeah, years so, ago now. So exactly, yeah. So basically, three days ago, uh, an unprecedented event happened in Eve Online. So, well, not unprecedented. So in Eve Online, do you guys have an idea of what that is? It's a persistent online universe that's sort of like uh know, it's not quite like starcraft it's not quite like uh like that but it is an rts in that same genre uh but basically you control sort of you know space vessels and, and fighting vessels and things like that and you get to battle other factions yeah. in the game 
Now, the, the, the conceit of this game is it's very heavily PvP uh, rather than, you know, people versus, you know, computer and, and CPU. However, there are NPC uh, factions in the game that okay. have always existed, right? Something that's happened, though, in the last few days that's a little bit unprecedented is um, apparently a new faction, a new NPC faction has shown up uh, and it, it is uh, resulted in the, the largest assault that the game has ever seen. So this is tens of thousands of human players now all being assaulted by the same enemy, and it's an NPC enemy <laughs> called the Drifters. So this has no essentially way. shut down the game to the point where this is the only thing that this is happening now within the game uh, universe is people just scrambling to fight this this unforeseen threat, which is pretty no trippy. Way. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. pretty cool though. I like it. I'm I'm scared that that's like not designed by the people who made the game this and it's some like thing. hacker. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like oh yeah, or it's AI. It's it's a ghost in the machine. Yeah. So, so it, here's the crazy thing: the Test Alliance. So this is one of the largest in the game universe. They've amassed tens of thousands of their own players and are currently mounting a defensive. But it's like an all-out defensive against this force. And I, I saw a heat map uh, of what this looks like in the in-game universe, and it's all red. Like, everything's really? being attacked all at the same time and strategically. Like, their citadels oh are getting attacked and their main points of interest are being attacked. So, uh, it's just, it's wild to see. But, yeah, to your point, it, it almost looks like some kind of experiment. Like, yes. what if ETs came Military. here? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. have the devs said anything about it? No, and that's the weirdest thing. The CCP games have been completely mum on the event. Oh, so, they weird. haven't said anything about it. So, presumably, they've set this up and, you know, they're running an experiment or otherwise have some hidden reward uh, in the chance they do defeat this this massive force. But the, yeah, the outlying like territories... It's a raid battle. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, it's like a siege is what's happening because they're getting uh, overtaken from all sides. So, but all factions in the game have ceased player versus player combat uh, and are now sort of trying to take on this... this uh, existential threat so pretty wild a big okay. thing with those game this game though eve online especially from what i've seen is that it's a lot of people pour a lot of money into it mm -hmm. so i guess part of the issue then comes from if there's just these npcs that have come out of nowhere and this everyone kind of thinks they're safe with the gear they have and they've not lost anything quite a while mm -hmm. this massive thing just comes out and destroys you and takes <laughs> like two thousand dollars worth of gear Equipment, yeah. like that's kind of it's kind of a dick move on terms if it's the developers which it will be yeah, it yeah. must be they've just kind of screwed a bunch of people out of like maybe millions of dollars <laughs> worth of gear <laughs> what can they do about that i would never dream of doing that that to sounds a to me base. like ea has bought that developer <laughs> yeah the announcement comes tomorrow what's that all oh, your stuff's gone yeah uh, you here's a loot box you kids. might get it back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, I had something for you, Alex. I don't know if you'd heard any of the new Pokemon Go news. No, I haven't heard anything. No. I, I've been deep into Wizards Unite. I, I've been wizarding like crazy. Ah, right, okay. So yeah, yeah. Right. So I haven't, I haven't looked up too much on Pokemon Go. What's going on? Right. I know that you, you guys were talking the other week about stuff that you'd like to see in Pokemon Go. I don't know if you've heard this either, Jordan. Uh -huh, I know you're yeah. an avid player. That uh, Team Rocket will be coming to Pokemon Go as a faction. What? Yes, we and I know you guys were just wanted talking that. about this. Oh my god! I know, I heard it on your podcast. Rob is gonna be so excited. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the only one of the unaffiliated, unaffiliated people I've ever heard of is Rob, and I was yeah. like, yeah. "Wow, that's you can actually do that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my god! Awesome, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. like they must have heard. They must have heard the podcast. I don't know. I don't know what happened. That's crazy. Man. I don't even know how you predicted it. Like I'm shocked that you guys. It, it was I, straight away as you mentioned it that it the news like broke. It came out. Yeah, I mean, it's Rob... Like shit Alex knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rob, Rob's deep in, man. Like, he knows. Like, he can make a lot of predictions. 
about gaming and about publishers and about the next moves and things like that, even technological developments. And he's he's almost always right. It's actually really bizarre. I remember you saying on the podcast saying that he'd predicted some other stuff previously as well. You might want to start like putting bets on stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing too sinister, please. If he's not... It might be that he's actually just predicting stuff and it happens. Oh, yeah, just yeah. Like, yeah. He makes it happen. Yeah. Oh, my I, God. I makes didn't even it happen consider that. magically or he just like goes into like, like Mission Impossible style yeah, yeah. and makes shit happen. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like controlling the Matrix or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Hacking all about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jordan? Have you heard any game news this week? Not a massive amount, to be honest. I've nope. been kind of out of doing games and stuff i've just been playing games that's about it just been trying just living it living life that's all the game news i'd looked into really because we've got quite a bit of content to like go through over the next like i don't know however long we've got 40 minutes or whatever uh i did go recently to see the new godzilla film though okay oh nice yeah i'd I'd heard previously that it was supposed to be not very good like it was it got pretty slated i think it had like 13 percent on rotten tomatoes previous one wasn't great it was alright. It was okay. It yeah. wasn't too bad. You said the um, new one is currently sitting at 13% on Rotten Tomatoes? I think it was. I mean, that was the last Jeez. I heard. It might wow. have changed now. I'll, I'll do a live yeah, yeah, do, do a shoot a goog, Jordan. Shoot a goog for us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but I, I quite enjoyed it. There was a, a little, you know, some of the script was a bit a little unusual here and there and could have been executed a little better. But if you go in to watch monsters fight, on a big screen. That bit was amazing. Like, the monster fights was inc- were incredible. They really were yeah. good. The CGI was great. The monster design was amazing. And that big bird thing, I think, is it, is it Rodan? I think. Yeah, Rodan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. It's, sorry, it's up to 40% now. So I guess people have changed their minds a bit. <laughs> Boy, what a rebound. I know, yeah. It's people saying that stuff's bad before actually seeing it. I think that's a lot it's what like, it is. Salt, people jumping the bandwagon. Right yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Rodan was really cool. There's a scene where it comes out of a volcano, like in some mm-hmm. Spanish mm-hmm. city in Mexico kind of thing. And then as it flies over the city, it sort of tears all the roofs off because of its force from the wings. And it's that's pretty cool. It's pretty cinematic. Did you, did you see, see the originals of, of these movies, like from way back in the 60s? No, I really want to, though. Just oh, a guy man. in a rubber suit. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go and look up uh, the first film with Mothra. So I think Mothra is in this one, too. I think they show him in a it preview, is, yeah. actually. Yeah, so that's that's not a spoiler there for anybody uh, no. who's listening. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Mothra in the old films, and, and it's kind of questionable nowadays in terms of the, the, the filmmaking. But, you know, there's not a lot of techniques available to them back in the day. So back in the day, they could make something look really, really big. You know, they would build a model mm-hmm. and then build a very tiny set of a city and then have it destroy it a la Godzilla, uh, and they could also make things look very, very tiny, right? Because they would use, you know, camera tricks and, and, and cut in different images and things like that to make something yeah. in the foreground look tiny. So in terms of Mothra, Mothra actually came from sort of like this, this jungle island, right, where these where this tribe worshipped his pupae. <laughs> and right, so wow. he was in his, his pupae form. And uh, these the, his, his main worshippers are the ones who would, like, try and communicate with him uh, or communicate about him in, in many cases as well throughout the film, where he's actually two very tiny girls, almost like, uh, you know, like the little hula dancer girl things oh, yeah. like that, that people put on the dashboard in a car. Yeah. They, they, they basically look like that, but they're very right. tiny. It's the most bizarre thing. So I, I don't want any spoilers or anything, but I, I'd be very surprised if they put the same little, you know, sort of tiny, you know, South Pacific Island looking people into it, like I, his, uh, his main method of communication. I think you might be onto something there. Oh my God. Yeah. I Were they twins? <laughs> Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> yeah, I, there is a little nod to that in this film. Yeah, is there really? Is, okay, it, it's cool. not like a big cool. thing, but there's like a little bit of a mention kind of thing. Yeah, you see a photograph of two twin girls. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the most bizarre thing. But uh, even even that film 
for its day, if you were to go and watch it now, it's pretty impressive. Like really? uh, uh, the Japanese were so far ahead back in the '60s and '70s in terms of filmmaking, not not just with stuff like that, but with you know Akira Kurosawa and all of his films, you know, like Seven mm-hmm. Samurai and stuff like that. I mean, the guy was even back then, you know, he was adapting you know Shakespearean style stories into his films, and then and then making really? these really wide angle shots that now all the action movies use today. It's uh, yeah, that that era in filmmaking, '60s and '70s Japan had more of an impact on Western filmmaking, I think, than probably any other era from any other country so it's a pretty cool thing but you got to go back and see some of those old godzilla films man they're a trip a lot of fun i will do i'll make sure to do that they're definitely on the list especially with is it shin godzilla which is like a newer version i have not seen that i've heard it's good though i've heard it's very good yeah same same now uh, i did hear another bit of news that i was surprised about actually it's a pilot for a series that's going to be coming out that centered around the production of doom as the game okay have you heard about that no hmm it's like, it's called Masters of Doom, and it, I think it's starring James and Dave Franco as like the two guys who made the game because they had this really famous fallout, didn't they? Afterwards, and uh, John Carmack and John Romero, they turn into like from best friends to enemies yeah. straight away, and then I think one split off into Quake, if I'm correct. I can't remember for the life of me. So they're going to be making this into a series. I know that it's the script's written by Tom Bissell, who did Gears of War, Judgment, Batman, Arkham Origins, and Battlefield Hardline. And I think it's sort of ride the wave of when Doom Eternal comes out, so they're sort of going to... Yeah. I imagine they'll do like a re-release of the old games again, you know, bring them out again on newer consoles maybe. Yeah, it seems like a bit of a weird franchise to do it with though. I know, yeah. Because hmm. it's like, obviously Doom, uh, was it 2016 or something? 16, 16. Yeah, yeah. It was great and I loved it. But it was one of those games where it's like everyone kind of played it and then that was it. Mm. You don't, it's not like Zelda, like Breath of the Wild, where it's just like an open yeah. world thing you can explore. When when you're done with that game, like, what, like a six, seven hour story, mm-hmm. it's done. Like no one actually yeah, cares not, that much. There's not loads of replayability in it. I don't no. Think. They did a, have the arcade mode, which I think was supposed to help with that and the online, yeah. but... It's just not as... like If you did something about Mario, he's so iconic yeah, that yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, but do you remember the Mario film? Yeah, don't do that. Don't, don't. Why would you do that? Shut up. I finally forgot. Yeah. But yeah, do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, it's not, it. it's iconic, mm-hmm. but not enough in the public eye to make it where everyone's going to want to watch it. There's only a select few that are going to want it. Yeah. Going to want to watch it. Going to want to want to watch it. I'm interested. Like, I, I, I kind of want to know a bit of the story behind it. I was interested to see that where they've stated on articles about this thing coming out, it says in relation to Doom Eternal. And on the console listing of what Doom Eternal's coming out on, it every time it stated the, the Stadia first before any other console. Uh, yeah, interesting. I, I think Google's had no. a, had to go in there with the SEO and like change some words. You know, well, getting Google them basically first. owns SEO, don't you? Yeah, I know, exactly. Dude, Stadia, yeah. Stadia's everywhere, man. I'm seeing ads like uh, on television, online, everywhere, man. I mean, obviously, I I Google search it too, so I'm I'm mm-hmm. you know guys like us were probably particularly you know getting getting attacked by these targets but yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. but uh man it's it's everywhere like google is uh, (laughs) really making a go with this thing i i I don't know that uh uh man the console makers are gonna have to do something really drastic i think to combat this in the next generation or uh or stadia is just gonna run away with the show man yeah well and didn't um nintendo sony and microsoft all sort of get together they're trying to do something at the moment. You have my shield. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're trying to they're trying to get past all these uh, all the all the tariffs that affect their business. I think that the United ah, States right. administration has imposed on China. So it's it's just creating uh, it's creating issues where not only will the hardware be just more expensive, 
uh, because of the tariffs, but also shipping the things here is going to be a lot more expensive too. So I think they've all sort of joined forces to, to try and combat that, which ultimately, yeah, I mean, that could really hurt their business in a world where Stadia is starting to take over. So hopefully, you know, they make some ground there. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I saw a, a poll on Twitter the other day, and there was quite a few people that took part in the poll. It was sort of like, are you up for trying Stadia when it comes out? And the majority vote that was about, I think it was uh, 60-odd percent, was no, God, no, fuck it. <laughs> and it was everyone voted for that. And only like, I think it was 7% or something said, yes, they'd be up for trying it. Yeah, it I'm just seems a bit surprised too much, doesn't it? Huh. Yeah, it was It was a large margin. I was very surprised. That's wild. Yeah, I don't know. So it's it's interesting. person to ask is what's your what's your net download speed? Not net download speed, sorry. Your download speed at, what's your like peak? Oh man, like uh, what I pay for is like uh, twenty megabit download speed, but they have gigabit internet right. here good? now. So it's it's like they have they have the max speeds so available on the market available to me right now. I just don't pay for it. To our house for two hundred yeah. meg. Oh right, okay. and that's like medium. We could get okay. three to four maybe. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's just like I just don't think it's we, enough. We might be able to handle it, but other people mm. definitely can't handle no, it. No. So Yeah, I, I look at it like this. I, I know online it's going to be a lot of people interacting with the story who maybe live in more remote areas and are not crazy about it. But look, I mean, technology to some extent has always been mostly available to people in major metropolitan areas, right? So if you look at you know the history of you know 3G and LTE and edge networks and, and quad-banded networks and things like that all across the world for wireless, I mean, this is the way it's always gone. It's, a, it's, it's accessible to people who live in larger population densities uh whereas you know people who live in more rural areas you know that they don't have access to the same thing a lot of them are using you know maybe even satellite phones or or, you know voice over ip or something like that so to me to me this this technology isn't any different i think it will be successful Mm -hmm. i i just i don't really think there's any way it won't be successful i i think people detractors are severely discounting at this point the the reach and power that google has to drive something like this and and i'm not for it or against it yet i think i'll try it and then and then sort of base mm-hmm. my opinion on that but for people who think that you know just you know i don't like it you know if we all don't like it it's not going to be successful man google could push this thing for a decade like they don't care they got the money all right it's a it's a nearly yeah, a trillion yeah. <laughs> dollar company like they don't you know nothing's going to slow them down at this point so i say let's uh-huh. try it let's see if it's that good um, you know, it's up to them at the end of the day, if it comes out and, and it's laggy for everybody and stuff's taking too long to load or, or the servers get full up too quick and start kicking people off in the middle of play, then yeah, it's not going to do too well. So in the end it is up to them, but yeah, I'm totally open to trying it. I mean, it's, it's yeah, ultimately, same. I want to try it. Yeah. Ultimately, maybe not within our lifetime, but in the future, it will be the future of gaming. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad to kind of, you know, get to try it and be on the forefront of that if it's, if it's really working. As, as long as, yeah, I, I have a feeling that they're going to make it work more yeah, than anything. Yeah. If it doesn't work, They'll they're going to be like, no, 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 it does. It works. <laughs> yeah, it's going to work. Mm. So I guess, yeah, th- there's no way it's not going to get to a usable state. No, no. I think they'll just install it on everyone's computer, whether they want it yeah. or not, because they're Google. That's a shame. <laughs> oh, Looks like you've got that, it now. How did that get there? <laughs> Well, yeah, and they're advertising basically because a lot of it's going to be browser-based, right? So they're talking about how you can go from device to device, right? So you can go straight from the platform on your television Mm -hmm. to a PC, maybe even on some games straight to your phone, and it's the same profiles that you're logging in with across all platforms. So if you're big into online gaming, for instance, you might be able to play certain online games across all platforms at any time, and everything still carries over. So that that could be huge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I might have lost you. You still there, buddy? Oh, I hear you. Yeah, we lost you then. Sorry about that. Okay. Speaking um, of the internet. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so do you want to get into some of the the subjects we were talking about the other day then, Alex? Should we, should we talk about some of um favourite retro games that have sort of inspired us and inspired other creators into more modern game design? Is there a child screaming? Probably. <laughs> ignore that noise. Yeah, ignore okay. the screaming children. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we decided that we're going to have a chat about some of the retro games that have inspired and sort of give us influences into more modern games that we've found exciting to the, our forms of play, I guess, is kind of a way to word it in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a simpler way he can say that? Games that inspired us. There we go. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Gets a little head pat now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get a treat. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to pat my head there. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was thinking about games because you mentioned, like, you're curious, you know, what games might have inspired, you know, the direction mm-hmm. of the current industry and, and what's yeah. really what really made the waves that sort of paved the way for how games are nowadays. And, uh, and you know, the, I'll be honest with you, the first thing I thought of was actually we, we shouldn't have this conversation without paying homage to the game that basically started it all, D&D. So I think it's really important that we just yeah. mentioned that none, none of this would exist, even if you just take the, the simplest you know, uh, idea of RPG elements. You know, I mean, look at every game that has RPG elements nowadays. So sports games, right? You mm-hmm. have RPG elements in sports games. Yeah, you even. do, yeah. You know, racing games. I mean, just anything you can think of. It's crazy. Uh, they basically all came from D&D, and, uh, and, and uh, it's just an interesting history there that, that it's so tied together. So I don't know if you guys know this, but D&D, uh, are you guys aware of, like, the D20 rule set, like the, the 20-sided dice and kind of how all that works within the D&D universe? Kind of. Kind of. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm actually glad you've gone into this. I, I wanted to do, a, like, a D&D episode at some point because I know not very much about it. So, yeah, fill us in with as much as you oh, can. Oh, man, I'm, I'm the wrong guy. You need you need Adam on for that. Oh, my God. The guy's <laughs> like a freaking like encyclopedia for this stuff. But basically... It's cool because so so D&D has been around essentially since 1974. That's when Wizards of the right. Coast first made D&D. And along the way, they've sort of supplemented it with add-ons and things like that that have made the game more robust and made the gameplay more robust as well. A lot of that has to do with just uh, sort of quests and adventures and things like that, but a lot of it is also stats. A lot of it is based okay. on stats and, and how stats interact with the game. Over in 2000, and this is cool because in my mind, this is... This is video games have now become influenced by D and D over the over the prior twenty years, and then two thousand rolls around, and it almost comes full circle because this is actually when the D twenty rule set rolled out for for D and D, and also the open gaming license. So it, it basically what happened is the D twenty rule set came out. A D twenty is a twenty sided dice, and mm-hmm. basically what that means is you have you know up to you know twenty points of supplementary skill points you can roll on any turn. For anything, it could just be like okay. a skill check of any kind. It could be an attack, defense, you know, knowledge check, anything uh, for that d20 uh, dice, right? But it's interesting to me that this happened because, to some extent, RPGs that we'll mention here shortly, probably games like Final Fantasy VII and things like that, really sort of made that stuff mainstream in a very big way. And it was also like a lot more in depth than what D&D was doing at the time as well, back in like 1997. So it's almost like D&D really informed video gaming. For many, many years, mm-hmm. and in video gaming then kind of informed D&D. So D&D then came out with this rule set in 2000 that was basically from 2000 to 2003 then, as a result of that, was the largest proliferation of role-playing games, uh, dice-based role-playing games uh, that have ever that have ever happened. So really, really cool thing. But yeah, I just I thought that'd be a cool way to start it off is just like talking about uh, where it all came from, kind of. Yeah, no, that's really cool. It's nice how it's like a very cyclical thing that they influenced each other. I, yeah. I really wasn't aware of that at all. Yeah, really cool thing. It's just insane, isn't it, how it goes from just this one thing that some people made. Yeah. Is now, it's so, every game that's come out in some way or shape or form has been reliant on it. Mm-hmm. And just none of this would have happened without it. 
or it'd be completely different if it had happened any other way. Yeah, yeah, it would be, definitely. So are you an avid player, Alex? For D&D, no. No, I'm not. I, I'm interested in Pathfinder, which is a more modern, I guess, I don't even know if you could say that, but it's it's a more recent take on the D20 format uh, that started back in 2001, I think, after after right. the uh, open gaming license came out from Wizards of the Coast, who who actually own all of that. And, uh, and that's what we're doing. Weeby Goblins is actually based on a rule set that came from Pathfinder. So it all exists in that universe, but that's, that's currently the only thing I'm doing. We also experimented with, uh, I got to experiment with them when they tried Starfinder, which is a more recent version of Pathfinder, uh, that actually takes place in space. So you make a ship and and you create cool alien races and things like that. But, uh, yeah, so we experimented a bit with that, but man, I I wish I had more time. I wish I was like Adam, man. He, he definitely (laughs) has some serious time dedicated to role-playing gaming. So does Rob. They're, they're both... imagination. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so much fun, though. It's so much fun. I, I love the the acting part and kind of getting into it and creating the characters from scratch. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, it seems really cool that what I've heard on your... Is it... What did you say? There'd be goblins that you do on your Patreon. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what we're doing on Patreon. And I'm almost through editing the first, like, two-hour chunk of that. It's... Uh, right. <laughs> we're, we did it... We didn't do it with our regular setup. We did it just off of a, uh, a Yeti mic. And uh, so it sounded okay, but I've just been trying mm-hmm. to beef up the audio a little bit before I release it onto Patreon. So, yeah, it's coming uh, right. yeah, soon. Oh, right. Cool. Okay, cool. Well, I'll look forward to that because I'm a member on there anyway, so I'm looking forward to hearing a bit about that. Um, one of the games that I sort of first thought about when I was thinking about the older style games influenced us. I don't know if you, you'll find this as well, because I'm not really massively into fighting games, but Street Fighter 2 was one that I really thought was quite influential for a lot of people. It was one of the earliest ones that sort of brought in combo-based fighting. It was much more fluid. It yeah. wasn't as janky as yeah. far as it goes, because you had like Virtua Fighter, yeah. which was literally like you'd punch and then you'd wait for someone to punch <laughs> you, and then that was that. Yeah, yeah. But no, as soon as it came in with Street Fighter, you could do all the special moves. You had all these characters with real personality, yeah, opposed yeah. to just kind of these squares on a screen which didn't really matter mm-hmm. but obviously everyone knows ryu blanca yeah. um dalzim yeah. and bison and i don't even like any i'd like I'd, i don't really like street fighter mm-hmm. i'm not a massive fan of it i prefer like tekken or mortal Kombat. right yeah but even then i still know the names of like all the characters yeah they are iconic they really yeah. are they developed some really interesting characters through that and i think it's because everyone was so different they all had different background fighting styles and i think that i've made a note here that especially going from what you were saying a second ago, Alex, about class-based stuff. I think Street Fighter really helped influence class-based Yeah, games, absolutely. Especially- yeah, and, and you better believe in the background. You know, each of those mm-hmm. characters had their own points regarding, you know, defense and their own points regarding attack. Um, and, then, and then unbeknownst to me, you know, that was like my first real trip around the world in a video game man it was great yeah, it was yeah. like it was like the carmen san diego of fighting games man it was amazing yeah. <laughs> oh my god it, did you know before you played that that spaniards fight using wolverine claws and climb around in cages i bet I you didn't not. know that <laughs> bet you didn't know that but you didn't know no, no. do you know so, now and sumo wrestlers <laughs> actually completely inert i don't know if you knew that either so yeah no, that's no. what street fighter and taught me <laughs> i also found that they can turn into torpedoes and fly across the map <laughs> They like to punch cars in their yeah. downtime. Oh, mate, that that the car mini game where you hack apart the car. <laughs> I love that so much. Like, who are these assholes that are just roaming around beating the shit out of people's cars? Who are they? I know, yeah. <laughs> My car comes back to the car like, oh fuck, what the hell's happening? It's like, like a tank's rolled over it. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Not again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what was man. the other thing? There was a car, and what else was there? Was it boxes or barrels or something? I think it was something. It was like, like that. a stack of. I'm sure it was something like that. 
Yeah, it, they oh, invaded some sort of like uh, like shipping yard or something like that, and were just destroying people's crates. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, like that. that was it. That's right. Vandalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Dalsum's blame... boxes of Dalsum's jewelry. I don't know. All uh, right, <laughs> getting it shipped in from India. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah. Did you play much arcade games, Alex? Well, yeah, that's what I was about to say is uh, I, I did. So, in fact, I grew uh-huh. up uh, down the road from uh, a mall in Toledo, Ohio. It was called Southwick Mall. Right. And it was in a, there was an arcade in there called Red Baron. And uh, any kid who lived in the neighborhood knew about Red Baron. That's where you'd go to actually name. try name. games out. Yeah, it was a cool place, man. And, uh, you know, Street Fighter Two for me, was the first game that I ever played that I remember uh, thinking like, this is the arcade experience that we're playing yeah. at home right now in Super Nintendo, right? Like it, it basically to me was the all-around arcade experience, all wrapped up in that cartridge at home. And and I just remember, man, we, I remember when we first rented that from maybe a Blockbuster or whatever, and and me and my friend had played that all literally all weekend long, probably like, <laughs> God, I'm telling you, like sixty hours straight of Street Fighter Two, really? <laughs> like it was insane, like God. it was just so mind blowing. That there was this game, and before this, we had like Mortal Kombat and things like that, you know, which was a good fighter, but it was just nothing like Street Fighter Two, man. Like Street Fighter Two was a game changer. So major, yeah, that, major that, arcade release at home. Right, that was what I was going to ask about Mortal Kombat: whether you actually played that in the arcade or whether you had that at home. No, that was just that was just at home first, and then arcades got mm-hmm. it after in my area, and then uh, right. and then it, it, to me, it's just I I didn't thoroughly enjoy the game uh, either at home or or in the arcades. It was more just for the. You know, the sort of romance of like oh, blood and you know guts and stuff like that that's kind of what yeah, it was yeah. all about but uh no street fighter though man that that just like e- even as a kid i remember thinking like that just that just elevated the whole the whole genre it was so good even still good yeah, it, it holds really up was. street fighter 2 turbo still holds up it does yeah it like really i have does. a copy of that on ps2 yeah yeah <laughs> nice uh, have you played any of the newer ones because i've not played like the street fighter 5 was the newest I think they Six. got kind of slated. Yeah. I think I didn't really play them much again. I'm no, just not I didn't. a huge well, fan. Well, they 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 still move at the speed of Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Like it, it's weird because it's they're beautiful looking games. Like they got great graphics and, and it's very stylized and very cool. However, it basically still plays exactly like Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Like it's, right. I'm, I'm serious. Like the controls are basically the same if you're playing on D-pad. It's uh, it's virtually the same game, just prettier. So that that's been my experience. Well, I suppose once people got used to that kind of movement and they sort of learned to play, and like there's that really famous video of two guys fighting and they're basically mirroring each other's fighting. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I don't you know. think so. It's, it's two guys playing as Ryu and it's a, a competition, and it looks like it's two AI characters fighting and that in sync. It's right. insane. I'll pu- I'll put it on the, the Twitter page. So I guess like once you you get to a point where you're playing with such a certain like game state and flow. You get used to it, so you don't want to really then change that for play. Like I was saying about between Dark Souls and Sekiro, yeah, the the game flow has changed that much that a lot of yeah. people don't like it as much. Well, it's like driving, isn't it? If you you don't yeah. even realize you're changing gears yeah. or you're like indicating, you just do it. Yeah. So I wonder. It must be insane to get that level mm-hmm. of like expertise in a video game where it's literally it's just like right, I need to hadouken this guy and then uppercut him <laughs> and then like just fucking absolutely smash him into the ground and yeah, you can yeah. just do it without thinking. I know. I was driving, you're just like, oh god, I'm driving! <laughs> Where am I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm in Azerbaijan, how did this happen? <laughs> so what other games did you have, Alex? What, what were some more like retro games from your childhood that you started with? 
So some big ones, and I was trying to think of ones from more in the modern era. So some things that would have really informed how game design is today, right? Because we could go way back, and there's the honorable mentions. You could say, you know, things like the original Legend of Zelda, you know, Mega Man, Pitfall, things like that. But a lot of those I wasn't even really gaming for right at the time because they they came out that long ago. So I was thinking about some games that maybe really inform game design from nowadays. Some of the first ones that come to mind, obviously a big one's going to be Ocarina of Time uh, from Nintendo 64. came out in Mm -hmm. 1998. Uh, the big things that came out of there, one, an incredible open-world action-adventure game that basically informed yeah. every open-world game that came after it. And then uh, and then Z-Targeting. Z-Targeting is a major, major game function that came out of that uh, that has gone on in games like, uh, uh, let's see, Darksiders, uh, GTA, mm-hmm. uh, Yakuza to some extent, Demon Souls, Kingdom Hearts, Metroid Prime. Like, so many game series have adapted Z-Targeting. Uh, after the fact it's, it's so. crazy isn't it so just such a small function that it's literally just locking on yeah it seems like that's such like in my head i, I can't think of having a game without that oh yeah and it's so strange that it came out and no one had done it before from, from that point yeah think about medal of honor though mm-hmm. so medal of honor was basically first person shooters going yeah. to world world war but doing it well yeah like on the playstation one and then you look now if that didn't happen, Call of Duty wouldn't be in the place it is now. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah, all yeah. evolved to the point where Call of Duty is now the standard. If they do something with their control layouts, mm-hmm. that affects practically the entirety of the gaming industry. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, it informs everything now. It informs everything. So that was that was one of them I was thinking a lot about. Um, obviously, narrative too. I think that was the first uh, Zelda game that had a very strong narrative because uh, it kind of took place over two mm-hmm. timelines and uh, it, it, it took a lot of time to kind of consider in the background how it was all fitting together and how it was working but it was really well written really well thought out and it was clear that uh the game makers at the time took a lot of care uh in determining how all that played out so it was really cool like that it really felt like a major event Uh, another one i was thinking of and this one is kind of it's even more in the technical aspect of things i was thinking about uh from ps1 the original ridge racer that came out on ps1 so we're talking about arcade titles earlier that translated Mm -hmm. really well into the home space Ridge Racer 1 is one of these, right? That that was just a very faithful port from the arcade to the home console experience. And, um, right. you know, in the early days, that's what gaming was all about. That's where game consoles came from. So your early game consoles, your Ataris, your Amigas, your ColecoVisions, your Odysseys, all of these, right? They came about because basically these hardware manufacturers were trying to develop an arcade experience at home. So that, that was where right, gaming right. originally came from. So th- this game stayed very faithful to that. And it was the first game that I played, you know, maybe even after Street Fighter, where I could tell that this was basically almost exactly like the arcade experience. Um, a couple a couple mm-hmm. things that this game did, though, that the makers of this game did um, were revolutionary for their day. And every home console game that's been made since then has basically been made the same way. So these guys really pioneered the technology. So one, right. so this is a cool thing. So one... Uh, Ridge Racer took advantage of, of uh, at the time, it was a massive amount of RAM that the PS1 had compared to other consoles of the time. So, And it took advantage of it because, I don't know if you know this about Ridge Racer 1, but it would load the whole game onto the RAM of the PS1 whenever you would play. So this, ba- this killed loading times, absolutely killed loading times, and also made the tracks because the, the game was able to be faster. The game was able to play faster uh, because of it, right? Because uh, it wasn't loading off the disc, right? Yeah, that's right. that's clever. That's really yeah. Nice. So I never and, realized that. No? And then, so every game since then has done that to some extent, right? Especially uh, you look at, um, for instance, like Breath of the Wild would be a great example of it, right? So the Nintendo Switch is not mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination an overpowered console. So how are they able to put this game on there that's just 
one absolutely fucking gorgeous, right? It's absolutely yes. beautiful. Yeah, very, very nice. And then the draw distance is unbelievable on it. It's so, immense, yeah, yeah. <laughs> considering considering it's on a Nintendo Switch, so this is how they did it, though. So they're loading most of that game onto the RAM or onto the RAM as well, and just loading directly off there. So obviously, very few loading right. times in that game when you're out in the open. Actually, there's no loading times when you're out in the open world. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, there's none. No, it's non-existent. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, is level design. So what they did with level design in Ridge Racer was really revolutionaries. This is an early game that takes place in a 3D space on consoles, and and the game has a lot of sharp turns and a lot of verticality. And basically, this all helped conceal all the pop-up that was happening just around the corner in the background. So the game was able to play very fast because it's loaded onto the RAM of the console. And then on top of that, mm-hmm. the level design was very, very smart. They added in all these twists and all these turns and all these hills, basically just to conceal the fact that things were popping up right around the corner because the game was moving so fast for its day. See, I love stuff like that, where they use limitations of the console yeah. to sort of in- improve genius, on their isn't it? designs. It's like like with Silent Hill, the fog. The fog was invented to cover up the draw distance. It's yeah. exactly the oh, same Oh, great thing. example. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or e- even like Mega Man, the reason he's blue is because there was more blue in the color palette that they had for the NES. Yep. It just it was the best color to use. Yeah, and then it turns out he's now iconic for it. Yeah, and he's iconic for being blue, yeah. It's just the coincidences. That's yeah. so much thing so many things in gaming are just a, a huge coincidence. And it's yeah. like <laughs> that it becomes like legendary. And yeah. you're just like, Yeah, I didn't actually mean to do that. Spot coffee on my laptop. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that's kinda cool. <laughs> yeah, that's good, that brown stain. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, one other yeah. thing that Ridge Racer did uh, that no other 3D games are doing at the time was uh, texture mapping uh, in the 3D environment itself, oh, right. right? So most 3D games at the time uh, were doing a lot of uh, were doing a lot of like flat shaded polygons in their games because it's, it was mm-hmm. difficult, uh, and they didn't they obviously weren't loading the whole game onto the RAM at the time. But because they were doing this with Ridge Racer, they were able to texture map virtually every surface in the game, and the game looks. For its day, it looked fantastic. It looked really, really good. I don't think I've ever played it. Yeah, yeah. That was a great racer. They re-released it on PSP in like, oh man, like 2004 or five, I think. And 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 they sort of remapped everything. And it was, I think, it was even for that time. It was still got great reviews. And uh, like a PSP, yeah, please do. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to check it out definitely. Uh, One of the games I was thinking about that it was like one of the most iconic games I think for for home home play. Yeah, probably had to be Goldeneye. Oh man. Especially oh. for social. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it that sort of hammered home the, the split-screen play, didn't it? It was like it was bringing the multiplayer back home. Yeah, because there wasn't really many multiplayer experiences in arcades. Not really, no. I, I mean, I was trying to think of some earlier, and I think a lot of playing against each other, it, it was more competing for scores, I think, for a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. And then they started bringing in multiplayer with the, the two-stick uh, arcade machines where you'd be on the same team, or then they had Mortal Kombat where you're against each other. But having four players on one screen, that blew me away as a little kid. Yeah, and that, yeah. Was, that was a good example of PC bridging into console gaming as well, that influence, mm-hmm. right? Because you had Quake at the time, which I think was pretty big already. Uh, it yeah, was kind yeah. of out there, and it, maybe even maybe even the second one. But GoldenEye was actually huge because they actually took that that similar experience and emulated it on consoles in a very faithful way. And ultimately, that multiplayer ended up being that ended up being the game, right? Like you can, you know, I'm sure you remember the levels and stuff that you could play through, but man, that multiplayer in that game was unbelievable. I was like 13 when that dropped, man, Goldeneye. And, and that was, that was a massive formative experience to, to uh, myself and my friends at the time. Um, I, I, you know what? 
I couldn't even tell you what we were playing just before that, <laughs> to be honest with you. So really? it was, yeah, I, I just, I can't remember. So for me, there's this huge, there's this gap, you know, maybe from about the time, uh, you know, PS1 started to become a thing and then, and then that dropped and, uh, man, that, that was, we were an N64 family after that, man. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, it, it stands as an unusual marker in that it was a, a game based off a film that was good because that does not happen. No, still, yeah, still, it no. doesn't happen. Yeah, it was almost like unintentional, <laughs> like how good it yeah, turned yeah, out. I think compared to the film, so I think it's better I, than I, the film. I wonder whether they, uh, yeah, it possibly could be. Yeah, I wonder whether they designed it first and then were like, oh, what could this be applicable to as a shooter? Saw that this new Bond film was coming out and then was like, oh, let's have it as a James, you know, put it forward to the producers and say we can have this released as a James Bond title. Yeah, I think Rare Rare's an English company, right? Rare's from the, they are, they're based yeah, in yeah. the UK. Yeah. So I almost wonder if I they went into well. it mm-hmm. and they had assets already made for a shooter. And then Nintendo right. said, well, if we're going to license this thing as, as sort of an exclusive, we need to have some sort of property to drive it because that 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 is largely how Nintendo was doing business at the time, looking for large properties like that. It was hard for them to get a hold of on the N64 because the particular limitations of that console uh, and the cartridge format. So I, I think that's mm-hmm. probably how it came about. But yeah, I'd love to read up on uh, some of the history behind it, like how, how it got from wherever it started to being, you know, the at that time, the greatest console shooter of all time. Yeah, it looks like mm. they just retconned it, doesn't it? They're just yeah, like, yeah. well, we can probably squeeze something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's 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 funny. What the, well, it's it must have been hard to to do with a single stick uh, controller. I think you know because the N6 controller was obviously it was an unusual control. Oh yeah, being a little the whole tridenty fucking thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was a nightmare. Because like going from, and I suppose did they have any of the arcade cabinets at the time where you could shoot at the screen? Because um, we had duck hunt and stuff where you could shoot with the screen. Yeah, well, I think it was a lot of them used. Was it light sensors? Yeah, yeah. So you point, shoot, light, and then yeah, because the SNES had a, the light gun, didn't it? Yeah, I think they must have had something. Either that, or they yeah. just used like air guns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I just had a quick check, and it looks like I've just had a look for what were the first games you could play kind of together were. Mm-hmm. I've just googled it, so this might not be right yeah. because it's just some article. It's just the goog. But um. Yeah, I was just thinking. So, if imagine being the f- there'd be one person commercially yeah. who bought this game, whatever game it was, who would would be the first consumer to ever play a game with another person. Oh yeah, wow, that is mental. Yeah, I've yeah. never thought of that before. It just popped into my head then. Yeah, because like, there must have been the first group of people to the, play the, multiplayer. Yeah, like obviously as a game developer mm-hmm. you'd have to learn to do that and yeah, with other people it, yeah. but there is there is someone or two people who are yeah. the first people to ever play a game together online and apparently going to google when you've searched what's the first ever online game um it mentions marathon which was uh, bungie's oh, right. original oh yeah copy. yeah yeah marathon really? uh, yeah. i don't know when did tribes come out did that come out after i don't remember uh, I'm not too sure. Let me look. Now. Tribes, I looked up. I looked up Quake. Quake says the original release was June 22nd, 1996. So it was a little over a year uh, before Goldeneye dropped on uh, on console. Right. So I think maybe maybe even multiplayer, you know, to that extent was probably uh, sort of an add-in afterwards. So once once the game was yeah, already maybe. well into development, we had Quake on the N64 as well. I I was always I always thought it was an N64 game just because I had it when I was a little kid and I didn't really know about anything else with PCs. Yeah, I think Saturn. It came out on Saturn too. It was one of the one of the bigger releases in the later day of Saturn. Yeah, I, I remember seeing someone on Twitter posted about that the other day. They were playing it for one of the retro days that they. they I think it was Saturday actually, Saturday. 
I'm sure they were doing a couple of playthroughs <laughs> and that. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Didn't look like, uh. didn't look like it holds up. <laughs> it, no, not the best. Yeah, I was going to say, the like game was lie. mostly like brown. Like everything was brown. Yeah, they, it's a lot of brown. Yeah, they used like uh, a more limited color palette so they, they could save mm-hmm. space on the RAM. Yeah, it's not the best color palette. They should have chose blue or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, you, then you've then got to think, is it too garish? Yeah, he's too, you don't want to be too disco. Too loud. Did you ever play Half-Life 2? Because I didn't. Yeah. I never played Half-Life. How? I don't know. Well, just I didn't, not, I didn't I play it. Yeah, just by not <laughs> That's doing my answer. It. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play it until Orange Box on uh, 360. I think that was the first time I played it. Oh, uh, yeah. That was the bundle, wasn't yep. it? Portal, uh, Half-Life, and Team Fortress? Yep. Yes. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. So, did you? can you tell me anything about it? Anything that might have inspired future games? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Is that uh, right? Yeah. I know they were quite revolutionary with their physics, weren't they? Because they had something with the, the gravity gun. Yeah, so it was a lot of the puzzles in the game were physics-based, and there wasn't really much done before that that was the same. So, you could always have, like... There was... Usually, you could get around stuff by janking the physics a yeah. bit. Jank it. So, if there was um, one part where you had to open a gate with batteries mm-hmm. or something like that, uh, right. and I remember... That I couldn't find the other battery, so I just made like a ramp and like glitched myself over right. in the car. <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck you!" I got over. I've done it. It was a real thinking. It was a real thinking man it shooter. Out. It was a thinking yeah, man yeah. shooter yeah. for its day. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but it would have been just much easier to see if I could find it. <laughs> it's like you put three hours into building this jank ramp yeah, that will never work. Yeah, but not half as fun. Not half as fun. Yeah, that's such a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I think I might have to try and get a copy of that. Yeah, it's on I'd, Steam for like two quid. Really? All right, I'll, I'll probably get it on Steam then. Uh, I'm sure my laptop can run it now. I emptied that recycle bin. <laughs> I can't believe that. I have 20 gigs in my recycle bin. Alex. <laughs> That's amazing. It's, not good. it's audio, like, right? It's like uh, the edits. Yeah, it's all that sort of stuff. It's, it's game dev stuff as well. So I had one file from Unity that was like six gigs. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Just because it's assets and 3D models and textures and sound files wow. and ugh, yeah. everything. Yeah, so I'm glad that's gone. Yeah. Um, one of the, the big games that I sort of came onto with being a kid that amazed me the most was probably Pokemon Red and Blue. And I know that you were a fan of those as well, Alex. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I was I was yeah. all in on Pokemon when that came out, for sure. Yeah, so, uh, so how... I was going to say how old were you when you got it, because you were a couple of years older than me. I remember being pretty young. So I was born in 91 and it came out. Was it 96 or 96? I don't know. You probably I, got it in '97. I remember getting. Yeah, '97. I yeah, think is yeah. when it came to the West. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it was. Um, I'm trying to think of an RPG that I played, like a turn-based RPG that I played a lot before that. And there's definitely nothing that I had played on, say, Game Boy. Even though there was stuff that had come out. So you had like, uh, like mm-hmm. Final Fantasy games that had already come out on the Game Boy as well by that time. Um, but yeah, I think right. that was the first like uh, Japanese RPG that that really informed. I never uh, thought of Pokemon as a JRPG before. No, no, I hadn't, and it just literally on me, yeah. just yeah. oh my god, yeah. you destroyed my mind, planted <laughs> <laughs> the mind grenade. Yeah. Yeah, that blow. Definitely yeah. fits firmly into the genre. So the only thing that's missing is a boy who has amnesia. But it's almost like you have amnesia because yeah, yeah. you don't know anything <laughs> about him. So he's he's like you. No, in the no, game. Well, yeah. Yeah. So uh, go to the world, go play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's five years. Here's yeah. a violent animal. Go, go out into the world. Aren't you like six? years old as well like, so, uh, 10. So, 10, or 10 sorry yeah. you're 10 10 years old yeah yeah okay yeah, it's yeah but having that that sort of in your pocket was what just it was insane having like a full world on a console that small 
as a kid, you felt like so absorbed into this tiny little screen that you had to have in the sunlight to fucking be able to yeah. see. <laughs> or when you're driving along. Yeah, yeah, at the street lights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's weird. Man. This has just been an episode of Revelations. It has, yeah. It, that's yeah. literally been it. Yeah, I'm Pokemon's a JRPG. Yeah. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> People throwing it down all. It opened the, the floodgates, I think, for for a lot of content out there. You know, before that, we had you know Final Fantasy in the states, Final Fantasy VI, for instance, uh, three in the states, six to everybody else uh, was a major release as well. That's yeah, that the was one weird. I don't Kefka. know why they had that naming convention. Yeah, it's it's yeah, Americans, man. Look, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't justify what 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 we do as a people. Uh, and then after that, I think uh, Chrono Trigger was a big one as well. That came out in 1997 as well. Um, so so really, it was just proliferating around then. And then Final Fantasy VII was really when when uh, the JRPG blew up on consoles. Uh, in fact, that's one of the mm-hmm. games that I'd mentioned here. So um, yeah, let's go into that definitely because that that's a game that come uh, missed me because I I didn't have a PlayStation. Yeah, I was I, I was kind of obsessed with it. Is is a pop culture event? My uh, my friend, uh, my one best friend growing up, he had an older brother, and his older brother was kind of into all the JRPGs on PS One. So he was constantly getting those, right, right. Uh, and then and then we get to try him out, and just watch him play a little bit. And this is really the first one I think I was just really obsessed with. I remember taking like old copies of Electronic Gaming Monthly and like clipping out the character art from it and like putting it on my wall in my bedroom really? when I was a kid. <laughs> I was freaking obsessed with Final Fantasy VII and the characters and the lore and. Uh, even by today's standards, looking back across the all of the Final Fantasy games, it still sort of stands head and shoulders above the rest, just in terms of of, of how bizarre it is and, and just how offbeat it is yeah, and yeah. how different the characters are. There's just there's really nothing else like it. And and just looking at the influence that it even has, you know, nowadays, like you know, we're talking. You know, in the, in the Facebook groups, like has I just I just had you uh, invited you into that? What was that? The the Final Fantasy shit, oh, the shit posting, posting group. <laughs> it's the best fucking group on Facebook. Yeah, it is so insane. much fun in there. These people are they're savages. It's like Lord of the Flies in there. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, but man, it's it's almost every post right now it has something to do about the Final Fantasy VII remake going down, which is which is just so no, much yeah. fun that it's yeah. like, oh my god, this is twenty two years later. It's crazy. I know. And, and this yeah. is the thing that we're talking about. But man, what 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 a paradigm shift in terms of the attention that, that RPGs got. It, it was a blockbuster game for its day. Uh, to date, I think it sold 11 million copies, which is one of the higher selling Final Fantasy games out there. And uh, yeah, it, it introduced million. RPG mechanics in a way that was very consumable for Western audiences mm-hmm. in a way that was very, very simple to understand. And no other RPG before that had done it in such a way. Um, it was always a twist that made things very difficult, but the materia system was really easy to consume and everything you needed to know was displayed on the screen somewhere, whether it was in the stats or on the, on, 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 you know, the weapons that you're clipping items to and their materia to it's, it was very, very consumable and easy to understand. Very approachable. Right. So it, it wasn't anything that was too complex then, no? And it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, what you're doing is, uh, you're connecting materia. So you have like, you know, attack materia, magic materia, and these are items that basically carry spells and attacks with them. Right. And then you also had like okay. supplementary ones and it, this is where it got really interesting because you had supplementary material that allowed you to connect to say like well, i'm trying to think of one it was called like um uh um trying to think like uh like you know quad strike you know what i mean you could level up a material so you could attack with something yeah. anything four times but you have to level up the material to do that and if you uh, connect so it's like buffs kind of that. yeah exactly like D. And then if you and if you if you attach that to an attack spell or a magic spell, you'll get to execute that four times at cost, 
which was really, really interesting. So again, it, mm-hmm. we're talking D&D rules kind of playing into this and things like that and then things coming full circle. But this basically made that style of gameplay and that style of leveling really big in the West. So that, that, that was a blockbuster hit for us in the States. And man, it, it is just, I love it. I've played it through so many times and it's just it's so bizarre really? every time I play it. I love it. It's a very long game as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it can be. Yeah, you, you can get through it probably 25, maybe 30 hours, uh, you know, if you're just sort of playing through for the first time and you don't know about all the side quests and things. But if you actually do, like the Gold Chocobo side quest and, and, and you have to level up all your materia to beat the, the sort of special bosses in the game, uh, Omega, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Emerald and Ruby Weapon, if you do that, man, it could be like a 200-hour long game. Like, it could really be as long really? as you want Fuck it to be. Hell. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I do, I do not have that kind of time. Yeah, when I was yeah. younger, maybe. Yeah. Not, oh, no, yeah, yeah. No, Nowadays, no. it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Make us famous. And yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> so we can day. do it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Yeah. So, with the, with the new one, is it going to be just on PlayStation again? Uh, the initial release, I think, is supposed to be Sony and PC, is my understanding. And uh, oh, right, likely okay. it will be licensed for Microsoft as well by then. So, because they're going to do everything they can to keep it off of Stadia. Yeah. <laughs> so, I imagine so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I thought they would do it for... If they do it for PC, then presumably it's going to be xbox as well because they're they're linking that together with the xbox live game pass aren't they yeah, kind of, yeah. It, it depends yeah it depends if it drops on steam or what it just kind of depends like which platform picks it up please not the epic store <laughs> <laughs> please for the love of god no. that one no it sucks no, i've never used it never i, used I it. like that it forces competition between yeah. it steam so steam's got to be better mm-hmm. but steam's already way better than epic <laughs> so epic are just going look at us we're shit yeah. <laughs> and then steam are just there like yeah oh sorry guys sorry guys <laughs> like it's just there eating paste in the corner <laughs> yeah, sorry you. water through my nose there thank you <laughs> you are welcome that's what i'm here for <laughs> <sighs> wonderful wonderful did you ever play either of you did you ever you play any castlevania any symphony yeah. of the nights no no that was one i didn't play um but i, I wanted to get in sort of the, the whole metroidvania style of design like non-linear level design yeah so that's a big one is so i played castlevania 3 yeah um hollow knight recently i've just started that as well yeah hollow knight is so adorable it is it's really i cool. want it despite some of the bugs being like eh, get yeah. away from it <laughs> eh, eh, don't touch me <laughs> yeah, Hollow Knight can be a 200-hour-long well, game if you ask Adam. Oh, my God. That's all, that's all really? he played for months. It was crazy. I remember you mentioning this the yeah, other day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like he's just playing it, and he's saying that Dead Cells isn't the same as something. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the same as Dead Cells, and he's like, fuck you. Well, yeah, I think... <laughs> I played Dead Cells, too. That's good. What he's doing that. is he's talking about false equivalents, right? So he's, he's not seeing that these two things are basically equal. <laughs> They're so similar in so many ways. <laughs> I don't think I've even seen Dead Cells. It's just something that I've just not even come across. You get you you play as an amorphous blob. Oh right. Okay. And then you take over a prisoner prisoner's body, and then you yeah. go kill shit, and then you die, and oh, then cool. you come back as the blob again, and you <laughs> pick up another body. <laughs> oh right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. It's just never ending. It's good though. Yeah, I'll Enjoy check it. it out. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, I think the first yeah. the first Metroid that I remember playing. I was probably, because I had the original Game Boy when it came out. I think that was one of the earliest titles. And my parents, you know, God bless them, they would just buy whatever was available at the time. So they're they're buying this game that is, like, way out of my league at the time at, like, seven or eight. But uh, but I do remember playing through 
Metroid 2, which was only released on Game Boy, and they just recently remade it for 3DS yeah, as well. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, I remember that game being brutally difficult for its day, but, yeah, that, that sense of exploration and just kind of setting out on a path, and, and there was a lot of very long paths in that game, I think, just because of how games were designed back then, and uh, not knowing where it was going to end up was always really, really exciting. And that's one thing that really stuck with me. As far as the Castlevania side of that, equation goes i didn't get into that until after symphony of the night uh on 3ds okay. maybe on just regular ds there was a few castlevania games that came out that were freaking fantastic they were all so so good i think there's three of them uh so i played through all, right. all of those and then i went back and played symphony of the night but yeah man castlevania crazy good the metroidvania uh, uh genre is bigger now than it's ever been before and that's really good because they're typically very good games so the nintendo switches your system for that i didn't really get into those those style i mean i had metroid 2 when i was a kid and again like you said it was it was too hard for me at the time uh i still have it now and i'd like to play through it at some point but metroid really got me with metroid prime oh and I, yeah they, they did the same so the first person one yeah that's right yeah yeah so they did metro prime one and the metro prime two echoes and then three is corruption it's never really a, a a nintendo boy no i know you weren't nintendo boy. i had yeah, i had the gamecube when that came out and i was i was a first year university student and, and what i can tell you is that between that and animal crossing i failed some classes my first semester so oh, really <laughs> mario kart double dash yeah, yeah. Oh, double dash was insane. oh my god yeah yeah and resident evil uh remake came the original resident evil remake came out around that time on the gamecube as well and it was it was like yeah, yeah. mind-blowingly good at the time it was so good oh, the jill sandwich yeah <laughs> so because because those came out basically all at the same time oh and mario sunshine came out that semester too like honestly man yeah. i didn't get oh, any wow, school yes. work done it was amazing so that's that's how I, that's how i crammed <laughs> four years of university thing. into like six so just crammed yeah. it in there man. <laughs> well well done for that at least anyway <laughs> yeah no that's a, that's a lot of good games i mean that sort of era was when i really took my legs as a gamer you know like i think i bought myself a gamecube saved up my pocket money for fucking ages yeah yeah metroid was one of the, the bigger games that i got but double dash i thought was really unusual that they never brought back the two players in one cart yeah well, crash did the same as well did it so with the psp there was crash twin racing oh, not twin right. was it crash T- twin racing something like yeah that. something yeah. like that yeah. uh, tag team tag racing team, yeah, yeah. Tag that's team. one so you could like morph into each other's vehicles and you can choose who drives and who shoots and mm-hmm. stuff, but it was on the PSP. Right, right. So, but I really enjoyed it. It was probably one yeah. of my favorites. I'm good. That's not part of um, the Crash Team Racing because I just bought that. Yeah. 35 pounds. Shit. 35 quid <laughs> British pounds. Yeah. That's, that's like a million dollars. Yeah. That's yeah. like a, that's like a million dollars in Canadian. Gold. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> so expensive what it is. But I still play it. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, at least you're getting some play out of it. Yeah, I, I still stand firmly by and get into many arguments with people that Double Dash is the best Mario Kart. I'll give you that. People hate me for it. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah the new ones are kind of boring. Yeah, I just don't like them as much. Yeah. I mean, the Switch is fucking amazing. I love the Switch. It's a great console. Um, but yeah, I just, I just can't get into racing games on it. I don't know why. Yeah, it's kind of kart racers Maybe or bust, right? Rate? No. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of any other racing games that I've played recently, particularly some that are, I suppose, influenced by the older Mario Kart games. Maybe there was a game I played recently called Grip. I don't know if you've heard of that. No. No? It's like a... Do you remember there was, there was a, a, a toy remote control car called the Tyco Rebound? And it was a car that had a car on one side and then underneath it was like a pickup truck and you could flip it over. 
That sounds what badass. Is, is this some kind of yeah. fever dream? No, it's real. Right. I've got one. I'll bring it around next time I come over. Just gonna I looked for it and it wasn't yeah. there. It wasn't there. It was all a dream. <laughs> do, do, yeah. do, did do, it have the do, big do, wheels do. on it? Like it could flip itself over? It did. Oh, yeah, that's right. We had that in the States. I think we called it the ricochet. Ricochet. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be the same way thing. More sense. Yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this this game grip is essentially you're driving those cars. Okay. So the the tracks go upside down. So you can drive up the walls and then just drop off and land upside down and carry on driving and flip yourself over. It's really, really cool. Did you play the Sega Superstars racing game? No. no. Hands down, better than any Mario Kart. Really? But people are too... Iconic claims. People are too... Yeah, yeah. Nintendo fanboy. Yeah, to yeah. See it. <laughs> it, it is genuinely like the best racing game really? out there for cartoony characters. Yeah, okay. it's really good. Mm, um, we'll have to get that and do some online play. Yeah, I think I might have it. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it is just better than Mario Kart, yeah. but no one believes it because it's not Nintendo. Right, right, Alex, if you can get the Ronins... We'll get you get the game as well, and we'll multiplayer it, and we'll stream it maybe one time. I'll talk. I'll talk. I'll talk to the Ronin. Yeah, well. I'll talk to the Ronin. So it's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you can do it. <laughs> uh, so is there any other games that you that you've been thinking about, Alex? That you no honor, honorable mentions that I had in here. Um, I think um, Grand Theft Auto Three kind of stood stood out there uh, just in terms of overall influence. Obviously, it influenced games like Far Cry, Saints Row. Crackdown, Just Cause, Watch Dogs, even Assassin's Creed to some extent, because uh, that open yeah. world format. Even though a lot of those ones that came later turned into more of sandbox versus open world titles, but uh, I think Grand Theft yeah. Auto Three was a big one. That was also uh, just a major cultural event when that came out. So yeah, it was. That was, yeah. That was huge. I didn't even have that, and I, I knew about it. I think we we borrowed my uncle's Xbox to play it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we just that was one where we were all sharing stories in school and and just all talking about it all the time about oh, did you do this? Did you do that? You know, did you did you see the hookers? You know what I mean? It was just uh, it was such a cool <laughs> it cultural. It was such experience. a big thing about the hookers. <laughs> yeah. And it was yeah. literally it was just like a character model. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but couldn't you put them in the boot of your car or something? I don't think so. Or was it just in the back and then? You I think they the could car. just get yeah. into the car. I think you could drive up to. I can't remember which game it was, but you yeah. drive up like, "Want to have a good time?" Oh, and then yeah. you're like, "Yeah," and then you drive and you just bail out of the car as it's going. <laughs> yeah, it goes off. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that, was that. You could do that in GTA Three, <laughs> so for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. man, you can you can do it in every GTA game. Yeah, you it's can great. Well. Every every new game, I do it. Staple mechanic. I buy the game just to do that. Just to do that. Yeah. And then return it. We, we should. With disclaimer here, we respect sex workers. Okay, we would never do this. Yes, life. this yeah. is only a game no, it is no. only a game <laughs> that is exactly it's their prerogative women power they can do it go for it go dude. for it uh, one of the games that i i think we can't not mention is dark souls i know a lot of people talk about it but it is it has been quite an iconic shift in the way games are designed at the moment one of my favorite games to ever exist yeah possibly my favorite one that i have not there. finished because it beats my ass i'm not very good at games <sighs> and this one is wow wow <laughs> it, it's, it's hard honestly try Sekiro fucking hell <laughs> fuck that game <laughs> uh, yeah no, just need to get good I know sure fucking <laughs> dickhead <laughs> no like we, we, like Dark Souls I think it's it has taken some really good inspiration from the older games in terms of replayability because of the challenge and I think the, it's it's got a form of non-linear story play that could almost categorize it under the metroidvania umbrella yeah well, what it's do you like think oblivion where you could play in terms of the the replayability mm-hmm. you can play oblivion or elder uh, any elder scrolls game really as a different race or character build yeah. or whatever with 
Dark Souls is nothing like Oblivion. No, in no, terms of how it plays at all, but it's got the exact same replayability, yeah. and it astounds me. Yeah, I'm just it's weird. I mean, it's one, one of the most perfect games ever, despite it, it being so janky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot Certain of janky charm. Bits and, it's like, ridiculous. Yeah, there's something strange about it, and it's, it's. I think a lot of the background lore that's almost a challenge to find as well. Like it doesn't exist. No, you just don't even have information, do you? It's no, you've got to like, make it up. Yeah, or read it and then. Do you know why why that is? Do you know where that that comes from? Super lazy. Yeah, no, it's it's actually a genuine reason. It's because the designer, when he was um, learning English, he he used to like to read like old stories about knights and dragons mm. and you know that kind of fantasy stories. But he didn't have a full grasp of English, so he'd have to miss out big sections of the story because he just couldn't. So he'd make it up That's in his amazing. head as he was younger. Mm. So that was the why he designed. The lore in Dark Souls to be the same. Do you hear about the night, Knights of the Round Table? <laughs> yeah. There were 600 of them. <laughs> it's like, what? I didn't know that. how yeah, to do the number. No, I don't know the number. They ride camels. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> they live in Stonehenge. Yes. <laughs> they shrink down. It's all apartment buildings. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I'm glad to get some real UK out. history in here, too. That's good for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is yeah, of course. legit, you know? Legit UK lore. <laughs> yeah, man. Might not be here much longer, so <laughs> get learning by it now. <laughs> Fill your pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that the Lord just blew me away every time. Like the, a, the amount of content you can find in the background of that game, and yeah. I think even like I'd say that's inspired by maybe even Metroid Prime again. Because in Metroid Prime, I, I don't know if you remember that, Alex, when you can scan literally everything, every plant, rock, yeah. stone, every wall, door, animal, yeah. enemy, everything, and. It, People loved it for that. Just it made the world feel so much more alive behind the actual design of the game. Well, that's what people are saying. Yeah, some people. Sorry, you. Carry oh, on yeah. That. Sorry, sorry. I was just gonna say. Yeah, some people love that element enough that they made an entire other game where all you do is scan shit. It's called No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is my yeah. life now. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, I was actually listening to your podcast before, Alex, where you were talking about when you you initially reviewed No Man's Sky when it first came out. Yeah, and uh, No Man's Sky Next. It was is, quite a while ago, though. I think. Yeah, no, because yeah, we did it right when Next came out, uh, the expansion that was basically free. And uh, to their credit, man, they've they've crafted yeah. a, a really freaking good game. And and I'm actually considering getting VR uh, set up somehow just for it uh, because yeah. it's coming. I'm to waiting VR. for No Man's Sky. VR. Yeah, I, I honestly yeah, that'll be an amazing. It's, thing. There, there's 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 nothing that I've experienced in gaming that is quite as exhilarating as you know sort of punching through the atmosphere of, of a planet that is yet to be explored and it's just it's it's so exhilarating like uh and it's also because I'm, big, I'm a big sci-fi nerd and stuff too but man uh yeah, there, there's nothing else like it there's just nothing else like it it's it's just such a cool game and such a one-off experience yeah and, and I, I started yeah. playing everspace have you played that no no it's it's similar in a way that it the space combat the same kind of flying around in space but you can't go to the planets and i feel it really needs that it feels yeah. lacking now that i've played no man's sky yeah, I'm just waiting for the VR version of No Man's yeah. Sky because I've got my vibe sat there. Yeah, you've got and it I've not used it in weeks. Yeah. I'm just like, come on, give it to my eyeballs. I need it, I need it in my face. <laughs> yeah, I'm either getting set up on Vive because of it, or or potentially. I mean, that's that's probably the more costly way to go. Or I might have to upgrade my PS4 to a Pro uh, and get VR that way. So mm-hmm. yeah, it looks really good though. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a beautiful game. It really is. Uh, I I found a couple of weird glitchy stuff where there's like ruins under the ground and you dig right all the way down and stuff. But I, I kind of like that. It's got some weird charm that it just it feels completely random, and I like that. Yeah, I, I like the I like the idea of like you're you're standing on you know some random planet in the game, and there's just so many. You know what I mean? But you're what you're seeing is like a gamer seeing that, 
for the first time, right? So from that vantage point, yeah, it's yeah. just you know if you you know in in more you know fully realized you know worlds like you know in Skyrim or something like that, you know you're you're seeing something, but you're seeing something similar or exactly like many other gamers have seen that. But in, in No Man's Sky, it really gives that sense of uh, of discovery and, and sort of wonder because uh, nobody nobody else has seen that exact scene before in the game and that's that's just uh, ah, such a insane. profound <laughs> idea that millions of players can all play this game and not see the exact same thing it's just really interesting do you think we'll get some kind of the oasis is it oh yeah do you think we'll get some form of that in in, in the stadium yeah it'll be it'll uh, be Fortnite. i think i'll probably be too old <laughs> yeah 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 maybe yeah, yeah, yeah i'll be too old before all that stuff comes out that yeah. means you're definitely too old <laughs> no sorry um, <laughs> thank you jordan ouch <laughs> but if you saw so, the no, movie i, I want you already it, know but... how to win you take the path exactly, yeah. backwards not backwards. forwards yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you actually mentioned Fortnite because there's a question I want to ask you both. I know that Jordan, you were saying you wanted to have a chat about maybe game trends that are popular at the moment. Yeah. Um, do you think in the future people are going to look back at Fortnite and think it was some revolutionary thing like we do about other retro games? I, I don't know. I was going to make a joke then. Yeah, do not, it if you no, want. No, it's a bit harsh. <laughs> uh, no, uh, well, the entire thing this is coming out of um, is that these video games is a really strange kind of group of people and products. That's such a weird way of saying what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so there are always these weird points in game history mm-hmm. where something happens, someone comes up with an idea, and then everyone jumps on that bandwagon. So the the earliest one I can think of off the top of my head, because I didn't really have time to research, I've had a lot going on this weekend, it was like Dota. Yeah. So Dota's Defense of the Ancients, which is um, a MOBA, which MOBA. Is, is like 5v5 on this map, and you've got to fight each other, then mm-hmm. destroy the other person's base yeah. or tower, whatever, um, which then spawned League of Legends. Yeah, so that came out in 2003 as a mod for the original Warcraft or Warcraft 2 or something yeah. like that. Um, then League of Legends in 2009, Dota 2, which was... Uh, the original creators of Dota that were hired by Valve, which is 2013, okay. and then Smite, which was a God's version, and then it just kind of th- there were then smaller ones mm-hmm. um, that which kind of branch off and stuff like that. Um, you had then Hero Shooters, so TF2, and then Overwatch, and yeah. then uh, there have been a bunch more that just never took off. Yeah. Um, and then you've got PUBG, which is 2017. PUBG, yeah. And then Fortnite Battle Royale, which was literally made in retaliation to PUBG because they were like, we could do that. Yeah, it's exactly the same game. We could do... they Fortnite went, we could do that because their game was literally just a base building zombie defense thing. Yeah, that yeah. was the original. And then they went, we could do Battle Royale. That's absolutely fine. And made it free to play. Yeah. And then everyone else has jumped on that. So like totally mm-hmm. accurate battle simulator, which is like yeah, a joke yeah. thing. Um. Uh, but sorry, to- totally accurate battle. Something yeah, it's like it was similar to the game. That, yeah, yeah. yeah I think uh, and then if it, everything else is just. I think if anything, what what we're going to look back on in terms of Fortnite is just how it changed the business. Uh, so I think I think it's a great mm-hmm. example of creating a, a platform before creating the game. Uh, so they needed to make a platform to just make just a whole fuck ton of money just a whole fuck ton of money man and and that's exactly what they've done here uh it's a brilliant it's yeah. a brilliant marketing platform uh i mean you see that with tie-ins like you know avengers and john wick and things like that they do little events in the game where you can kind of either you know take on a persona or a skin right of of, of one of these characters it's uh in that way it is kind of like a lot like 
player one, right? Because the game still functions the same way. You mm-hmm. just look different. But yeah, I think in, in the end, that's that's what we're going to look back and see is just, I, I think it's it's changed the game in terms of uh, the marketing platform of gaming, uh, which is why which is why I personally think in the next you know 10 to 15 years, everything's going to be online uh, anyway. So is 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 just because yeah. of platforms like this, like you you know, uh, I think we're going to see a major falling out. For instance, from like um, you know, we got like the Star Wars game coming out from EA now, single player experience, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, looks pretty good. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it looks Comic great fun. too. However, here's the thing: people are going to have to buy the game if they're ever going to make another one like it again. So, and and, yeah, and, exactly. and if this game is not successful, we are likely not ever going to see. Another major property game like this, especially Star Wars game that comes out that's just a single player experience, not not on this level anyway, not not on this uh, with this amount of money behind it and this amount of time behind it. Um, yeah. So I, I think in the next year or two, we're going to see a major paradigm shift in terms of all games moving to a specific marketing platform. And I think uh, I think uh, Fortnite paved the way for that, and it's been extremely successful at doing so. And uh, a lot has even emulated that since it came out. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think it will. I think you're completely right there. I mean, it's it's even been replicated into games like Apex Legends again recently, hasn't it? Like that seems well, to. That's another one that's come out, which yeah, is a yeah, battle royale. Yeah, it's, um, and it's Battlefield. Yeah, even battle Battlefield, royale. Done Firestorm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's brought that uh, in. There was another one. I've completely forgot what it is. Rainbow Six has gotten really big too, but that was still kind of based on the old model. Right. Yeah. Okay. I've not played many of the Rainbow Six games. I think I played the last one a little bit. Siege. Yeah. Yeah, they're very much kind of. You played For Honor. No, it's basically Ubisoft's like, here are these characters. If you want more, you've got to pay, play for like 30 hours yeah, to right. get the currency <laughs> or you can just buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, was that your G-spot button you were talking about, Alex? Oh, the G- <laughs> <laughs> that absolutely killed me, that man. Yeah. <laughs> you, so you mean, you were you mean the how, gamer spot? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The gamer yeah, spot. Yeah, exactly. yeah, the gamer spot. Yeah. Sorry, I should probably clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> so Alex was talking about the G-spot where it's either you can play for 30 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, 30 hours, and unlock this character, or you'd be, or make it to the point where it's not too expensive Look, my, and ridiculous. my particular G-spot, yeah. if you want and it. by G-spot I mean gamer spot, is definitely like yeah. around, I would say 15 minutes. <laughs> it's maybe half that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. just let me buy it. But yeah. that's the thing, it gives you the option, mm-hmm. but 30 hours is a bit much. Like Battlefield, uh, not Battlefield, Battlefront 2. Yeah which was nothing like Star Wars Battlefront 2, which annoyed me to no end because I just wanted fucking Galactic Conquest so I could sit on the couch and just take over the universe with whichever race I wanted. Yeah, I'm going to soundbite that. You know that, right? Fucking. (laughs) I just want to take over the universe from the couch. (laughs) That's it. But did either of you play Star Wars Battlefront 2 for the PS2? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like you, me and my mate had literally just sit there and take over every planet in the galaxy and then that was great because we could choose who we wanted to play as. They were all reskins but they Mm -hmm. were all amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, so if you died as a as a droid it'd be like wah <laughs> it's great but it was, sound it was just the fact that they then did this but if you wanted everything you either had to buy loot boxes yeah. or you had to play for this like insane amount of time yeah and it's just not okay yeah we were talking about loot boxes the other day alex i don't know if you listened to that episode yet do you do you find that they're quite gambly yeah yeah that that's been the they, i heard that episode yeah it's been it's been a perception definitely um I, I think it's a bit of an underhanded way to do business. I think people will just buy the thing they want if you make that thing available. This is just a way to sort of trick them into spending more money. Uh, I would say it's my yeah. departure point from giving any money to a game is when uh, when a loot box situation comes up and I don't know what I'm paying for. Um, 
Like, man, like in, in, in my civilian life, my non-podcast life, I work yeah. <laughs> pretty fucking hard. Like, I work pretty hard. And it, it irks me to think that, you know, even, even as like a parent, you know, I could have a kid spending money on something like a loot box, you know, using my credit card. That's just, it's literally gambling. Like, it's absurd, but it, it's what yeah, it is, yeah. right? And uh, it, it definitely irks me a little bit uh, unless unless there's something to glean off of it like maybe maybe you gain some sort of in-game currency like a, a, a disproportionately high amount by doing the loot box or something but there really is no payoff like that a lot of times no, people no. are just getting things they don't want they genuinely will not use so it just became a, yeah, a money dump right mm-hmm. so and, and i think i yeah. think it speaks to as well the fact that the the i think the platform was made for adults and i think it was made for uh, I don't think it was made to trick children. I don't think that was the case at all. I think it was, I think it was designed for adults who really don't have the 30 hours to put into getting the thing, who will just pay money for the thing, yeah, right? Yeah. So because I, I look at myself and my current gaming habits, like I'm literally playing Final Fantasy 12 at four times speed <laughs> just to get through it. <laughs> yeah, I heard Because you I don't have time to play RPGs anymore. So it's, you know, I, that's the way the game is going. And I think they anticipated that. And I think the system was designed for adults. But yes, it, it, it is uh, disproportionately affecting kids and people who are not paying for the content right it's it's uh it's definitely mm-hmm. affecting them and, and they don't see it as gambling you know and i don't think they're at any risk of becoming gamblers because of loot boxes or anything stupid like that it's just it's just bad business <laughs> like the kids sat slot machine yeah yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> new skin yeah <laughs> they're all hanging out at the bookies now i don't know but uh yeah. yeah it's it's just it's a weird thing and 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 i think they just need to reel it in so i'm, I'm not i'm not against governments kind of facilitating that but at the end of the day it's a business model that has to change so yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't think it's something that should continue that much if they can. I understand they're doing it because game companies struggle, struggle to make money and they're trying to find any kind of way to glean any bit more profit to but continue. it's never small companies. No, no, that's the thing. Yeah. It's, it's proliferated more by bigger companies that do it. That's the thing. And they're, making, they're already they making millions of dollars a day on, on something like Fortnite, you know, as, as an example, right? Uh, or I'm, they're yeah, not making yeah. as much on something like you know Star Wars Battlefront, which is where this kind of came from originally from EA. But uh, yeah, these games, if yeah. they're good, they make a shit ton of money. If they're addictive, they make a shit ton of money. So I think they just need to focus on that uh, rather than trying to trick people into spending more money. Make a better game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Put put the effort in to just make a, a more playable and more enjoyable game. Like I've I've literally gone through the Xbox um, store and purposely not downloaded games that are free to play because it's got content in it that you have to buy or loot box stuff i just yeah. thought i'm not even gonna bother and they always like make it a proper hassle to not as well yeah yeah so yeah. it's always like oh these menus keep popping up and it's yeah. like can you have you seen the um are you sure you don't want this do you want this do you hey hey do you want this <laughs> have you seen the nba one of the nba games is like 65 dollars to buy and it has unskippable adverts in it. Fucking hell. Also, Xbox Live, you pay a subscription fee yeah. and they still show you adverts. Yeah. Yeah. What the actual... <laughs> That's messed up. Wow. It's grim. I don't yeah. understand. No, no. I, yeah, I, I think I might just pick up that little indie console. You know, the one with the little crank on the side. Yeah, just crack <laughs> because I like you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard no. about that. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. have to say this now for Alex. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna say it's absolute bollocks, is what it is. Yeah, because you need English swearing in your life. Absolute <laughs> bollocks. <laughs> Fucking shit, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me, me. Yeah, that's a real Manchester thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that uh, is there is that where is that where the best English swearing happens? Is it in Manchester? Uh, Not the best. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's 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 a good accent for if you get to like Salford, they they've got a really good like tone to the voice. I had a uh, I had a real introspective moment 
when uh, when I was still in the states because I come from Ohio and Ohio you wouldn't think this is just a Midwest state pretty pretty simple people we are coming from Ohio however I recently not recently a couple of years ago I had read this thing about how like they had gone through and tried to make a determination of like where the worst customer experiences came from regarding call centers. Right. So if you're working at a call center, yeah. who are the people you hate hearing from the most? And and actually, Ohio yeah. was the state that ranked at the very top of that. I guess Ohioans are pretty really? brutal when it comes to trying to get their way, uh, you know, with call centers and things like that for you know wireless and cable and things like that. And and they tend yeah, yeah, and, no and I think the determination was they swear more than <laughs> people from any oh, other right, state. Okay. So uh, I thought it would have been like Boston or something. Yeah, no, no, you would think. But look, I have a proud heritage of, of uh, swearing, yeah. you know, based on where I come from, from uh, the Midwest United States. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty proud of that. No, I've, I've got I've got family out in Wisconsin, so I go out there quite often. Um, and it's, it's very similar there. And uh, I, I, I feel a lot of people say they don't like swearing. Like I know a lot of podcasters don't like swearing in the podcasts, but I really feel like if you're swearing, you can sort of feel the passion and it's almost like a seasoning on top of the sentence. <laughs> seasoning on the sentence. I love it. It's the salt and pepper to my sentence, you know? Yeah. I, I feel it gets oh, the man. point across more. Yeah. Good That's stuff. great. I like that. Yeah, yeah. You can take use that, that in daily. So yeah. Why'd you swear at this customer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, he needed some seasoning. <laughs> I was getting salty. Yeah. Um, Right, I think we should get into a bit of new plays if you've played anything recently. Alex, any new games? Oh boy, uh, not much, man, not much. I, I have been playing Final Fantasy twelve still on the Nintendo Switch. It does have an yeah. option to run when you're kind of out and about in the, the open world areas, uh, doing level grinding and things like that. There's an option where you can turn it up to two or four times speed, so you're playing the game at an incredible rate of speed. However, it also helps you level up at four times speed, so it's really nice. Yeah, and that's I've been insane. Level grinding See, that's like a that. cool mechanic. It is such a cool mechanic and i wish more rpgs would do it because i'd play more um look man i've bought like half a dozen games this year i've started like two of them so it's <laughs> really <laughs> welcome so, to life yeah, yeah man yeah. so I, I think you know I, I look forward to you know when my child is 18 and then i'll get back you know into gaming for reals <laughs> and i'll have so many yeah, games yeah. to play but yeah that's been a big <laughs> one and i've been getting back into um and the name's eluding me now. Sorry, I'm, I'm flipping through my phone to just check the name of it. But I, it's okay, uh, another worry. Eden. So it's a it's a mobile game, and it's actually made by a lot of the same people who did Chrono Trigger, strangely, So oh, in terms right. of the character design and, and audio. So uh, I'm really digging uh, another Eden, and uh, I haven't quite figured out how all the systems work in it yet, but it's a good sort of grindy RPG with a nice little backstory, and the art and the music are really freaking good. But it's just a cool mobile RPG in, in a world where there's not many cool mobile original mobile RPG, so I've been playing that a bit. And then um, Harry Potter, man. Well, I'm going to get deep into Harry Potter. You're really digging that. Yeah, on the next episode of my podcast. I'm looking forward to it. But Wizards Unite is good. Uh, I'm digging it. And uh, and it's sort of like I had a lot of gripes with Pokemon Go up up to the point where I just Mm -hmm. sort of got rid of it when Wizards Unite came out. But uh, Wizards Unite is definitely, I I think, honestly, I'm I'm really enjoying the combat elements of it. I'm enjoying the dungeon crawling elements of it. Uh, It's just, it's a really cool game and and it's a very different flavor from Pokemon Go. So I'm really digging it so far. The AR that they worked in is really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. And uh, and I think my girlfriend showed me this thing where there was a portal and she stepped through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's that's a function of the game that you can get into it anytime like there if you have the right item to do so that's uh, a little like these boots like these i don't know what it is like magic boots or something but um yeah very very cool game so far i'm digging it right cool i i, I will check it out once i've got my new phone because mine's fucking dog shit at the moment um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just full and it just won't do anything i'll try it yeah. again and see if i actually understand what's yeah, going yeah. on yeah you should try it again jordan give it another chance 
Yeah. Um, as I said, I've, I've been playing Sekiro again, and then I've been playing this new game, Everspace. Well, it's not a new game. Um, the old game, Everspace. And the reason I've, I've sort of liked it is it's in and out. It's a very... Um, how would you say? It's a quick iteration of gameplay loops. So when you die, you just click your ship you can then use the money that you've earned in your last life to do up your ship put up your health that kind of stuff okay and then launch straight in and you're going to sort of if you imagine like one one open world level and that's a bit of space you can then fly around and you can find derelict ships and enemies and like mining ships and you can go through asteroids and collect resources to build new weapons or upgrade your ship and then you can warp to the next bit and then the warp in map screen is very much like Lilac was, or I think it was Star Fox 64 in Canada mm. and in America, mm. Alex Fury. Yeah. And then you select which bit of the next piece of space you want to go to, and you warp between different sections. And it's just, it's like that, the whole thing. And then you do it till you die, and then you upgrade your ship, and then you drop back in. And it's just, you can play over quick 10 minutes. It's like really nice, quick gameplay. That's pretty cool. And I like awesome. it for that. Yeah, I even, I even had any yeah, experience yeah. with that one yet. That's cool. I'd recommend checking out. If you if you like the, the space fighting aspect of... I think it said Ready Player One then. What's, what's the fucking game? The Planet no One, Sky. Alex. Help me. No Man's Sky. No, no Man's Sky. Thank you. Oh, no problem. <laughs> so it, it's very much like No Man's Sky in that sort of the, the space fighting part. You just don't go down to the planets, which is, again, I said it's the only thing that I would like. Yeah. But I understand it's not supposed to be that kind of game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'd, re- I'd recommend that. And then there's this Cadence of Hyrule, which I've been playing more of. Which I really, oh, I gotta really try like it. Hyrule. Yeah, I gotta try Hyrule. that. Have you not got it? No, yet? I haven't gotten it yet. It's fun. Uh, I thought you'd be all over it, Alex. I, I am like shocked. I, I don't yeah. have it. I don't know what <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> yeah, you've got to get it, man. You've got to get it. It's really cool. Do you want to give yourself a little shout out, Alex? Let the guys know where you've come from and what it is that you do before we before we finish. Because we've hit an hour sure. and twenty minutes. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, so I think we met originally in one of the Facebook podcasting groups, asking questions and getting answers and things like that. But I come from uh, Rona Geek Official Podcast. Uh, we've been at it for a little over a year here. I think we're about to record episode fifty. So a little bit of a momentous occasion for us. We've made it fifty yeah, episodes yeah. in, and uh, so it's it's not too dissimilar from grief, but Rito, a different flavor of sort of geek and gaming news and, and movie news uh, as stuff comes up. Uh, obviously, this time of year, there's a little bit of a slump, except we do have uh, Spider-Man now we can all talk about, which is kind of nice. Uh, so we'll see that maybe next yeah, weekend. Yeah. But yeah, we do movie reviews, gaming previews. Um, we pretty much make fun of every topic we encounter without <laughs> exception. Uh, so if you're easily offended, probably not going to be the flavor of podcast for you for geek and gaming news. Hey, but... don't worry. I think <laughs> our listeners are used to being offended. So okay, don't worry good, about that. Good. good. Yeah. So otherwise, Sorry about that. otherwise, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been great. And, and I'm thrilled to be a part of this larger community of, of, uh, this style of podcast. And it's just, it's such a cool experience. Uh, to be part of it, I mean, what a community, man! I mean, such such great. It is. It's people. an amazing community. So I'm I'm like blown away by it. In fact, that's the maybe the one unanticipated thing that's come about from this is just how much I enjoy being a part of the uh, podcasting community. I think it's uh, so far for me, it's the most fulfilling part of the experience. I would say. And then uh, actually, another quick shout out. I, I I did get Adam and one of our friends Jenna, and we did a recording for another podcast called uh, Happy Horror Coffee break and it's an old-timey radio show type thing it's very corny it's supposed to be but it's all horror themed <laughs> stories and we recently recorded a story an act if you will that that's going to be featured on their oh, next amazing. episode i think it drops on july 5th so if you're into the weird stuff maybe some of the macabre stuff and and, and you like horror or at least sort of the, the the playful side of horror maybe give it a listen and uh, you'll you'll get to hear uh me and adam and jenna stumble through this <laughs> This script. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, what, what was it called again? So it's called uh, Happy, uh, sorry, Happy Horror Coffee Break. 
happy okay. happy horror coffee. Happy, yeah, happy you dropped happy out, and then the word horror dropped yeah, yeah, out. Happy, <laughs> happy horror horror <laughs> coffee break. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. And, right, uh, well, yeah, we'll definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right pretty trippy. It's pretty trippy. But that episode, I think, comes out here uh, this week. So I'll be pretty excited to hear us on that. And uh, and yeah, that's everything going on in my world. Amazing, awesome. All right, I'm just going to give a quick shout out because we've got another Patreon subscriber that we need, this episode is dedicated to uh, in the name of Darren Miller. He's a fucking awesome guy, which I met on... I met him on Twitter, actually, as well. He is another podcaster, and he runs a YouTube channel called Kylex Plays, which is oh, a Let's Play channel. okay. Cool. Cool, yeah. He's, yeah, we've been communicating on Twitter. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. Really, really nice. And uh, I, I did his show, which will be out on, I think he said, July 8th on YouTube. So that was oh, like sweet. a nice little interview we did, because... He's actually from near near where I live. He's only about half an hour away. So it was really nice to connect with someone so close. I, I love the community so much. It's... it. I can't even explain how nice it is like no i know jordan's now finally jumped on twitter thank god it's really helped <laughs> first time yeah yeah he's just like i don't know what i'm doing but yeah, it's... help me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i just love how friendly everyone is and that the amount of amazing content that's being created by people it's unbelievable is, it's something that blows me away every time yeah it's incredible <laughs> like the amount of content that's out yeah. there i love it yeah uh, right, I think we should end it there. That is an hour and 31, my friend. Wow, good job. Hell yeah. I know. Time yeah. flies and you're having fun. It does. And having audio issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, Alex, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it, mate. And uh, I can't wait to hear your next episode and that other podcast you suggested. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was awesome. A lot of fun. It's all right, dude. So thank you guys for listening to the Grief Burrito Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, fucking everywhere at Grief Burrito. All of the things, all the things. at all, all the about. times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there will be some exciting updates coming regarding our ghost hunt, which I've got some more news for Jordan, which I'll be explaining off mic. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Sorry, I inhaled too deeply. Jesus. <laughs> you inhaled Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. Not again. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Alex. We'll speak to you soon, man. Yeah, peace out. See you, dude. Bye. Oh, mate, that was awesome. Harrison again I just wanted to say thank you for listening to our very special episode with the wonderful Alex Austin from Ronin Geek Podcast if you did enjoy this episode please remember to go back and check through all of our other episodes you might find something else that you really really like if you want to find us on Facebook Twitter Instagram everywhere else you can find us at Grief Burrito and don't forget you can join our Patreon if you want to get some more of our bonus content you get shout out stickers we've got t-shirts we've got badges we've got all sorts we even get some music made specially by me to game to that will all be coming very, very soon as well. So we'll see you on the next episode. The big fucking 20th episode. Can you believe it? We've been going for nearly five months already. So we'll see you on the next episode, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.